Hi, you're listening to the Modern Club Management Podcast with me, your host, Ed Chapman. This podcast takes the lived experiences and knowledge of some of the leading figures and thinkers from the world of club management and beyond, all so that they can become your teacher and elevate your performance. Whether you're looking to start a career in club management, are a seasoned club manager at a world-leading club, or work elsewhere within this wonderful industry, there will be powerful messages and key takeaways that can help you in your career or personal life. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Modern Club Management Podcast with me, your host, Ed Chapman. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Grace Keller the Marketing Director for TRI Links in New Zealand. Grace, how are you? I'm really good. Thanks for having me. No, my pleasure. I'm really excited to have this conversation. So to get us started, can you give us a little bit of background into what got you into playing golf and then working in the golf industry? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my story comes back a little bit. Living in New Zealand now for five years, I was born in New Zealand, moved to America when I was young, and I think my... My golf journey started when my mom was like, oh, let's go for a family golf lesson. I think I was 13 or 14, which came out of nowhere because as everyone knows back then, I mean, golf wasn't really the, the, the interesting, cool, fun thing like what it is now. Um, and yeah, I went to a golf lesson and I was the only one really in the family that stuck with it. Um, my parents, my dad plays a little bit now, but yeah, I kind of just fell in love with it and um, we went on a family holiday about a year after I started playing golf and went to Savannah College of Art and Design, um, just a really well-known art school in the States and just drove through it and saw they had a golf team and it kind of lit my fire and I thought, well, I want to play golf there and I want to study art and yeah, it led me to playing college golf at Savannah College of Art and Design and I studied in fashion marketing. Um, yeah, so kind of like learning everything from um, graphic design to marketing to business to you name it, kind of everything with a, a side of um, life drawing, which is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of like how the love of the game started for me. But I'd say I was pretty burnt out after I graduated college, after my four years there. And um, it was an awesome time in the golf team, but it's it's very hard. You start to realize if you want it to be your job or you don't want it to be your job. And <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it's not easy as everyone knows golf's hard, but yeah. So I graduated and I, a few months after decided, oh, I'm just going to move to New Zealand for three months and yeah, try to figure it out. And I'll go back to America, see where it kind of takes me, but golf was not in the mind at all. Um, and then I moved to New Zealand and I started working in fashion. Yeah, working a job I didn't really love, I'd say. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's um, so much fun. Yeah, and I think that that's probably what, if I look back to college, uh, all the best parts of the things I loved were golf related and my projects are based on sport and, you know, the athletic side of things. And yeah, I, New Zealand's a really small place, as many of you know. and. Yeah, I called some mutual friends and was like, I think what I'm missing, the passion in my life is golf. And, you know, I, I think it's the direction that I want to get back into. 
And yeah, one thing led to the next and Golf New Zealand had hired a graphic designer with marketing support and four interviews later, they told them not the job. So sorry if you're listening, if, if the job was yours. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I got hired <laughs> for the role. And yeah, one thing led to the next at Golf New Zealand and I was marketing director for a few years. And yeah, now I, it's crazy how you look at it and like it, total full circle moment around loving golf, not realizing the opportunities in the game, especially being a woman and yeah, being away from it for a while and just kind of coming back to it. And I'd say that my love for the game now is at an all time high. I've never loved the game more. And yeah, it's an incredible opportunity they have working at TRI links as well. And yeah, I'd say that's how kind of golf started for me. Oh, nice that you've been able to rekindle that kind of passion for the sport and then to want to work in it. I think, as you say, when you're at college and my friends who have done it, it's so intense. You do so much golf. It's pretty easy to get kind of yeah, burned out from it and lose that, lose that love of the game. I've certainly gone through that myself. And it's once you then rekindle that, you kind of have a different perspective on it all. So it's good to hear that you've managed to do that. Yeah, and I think you start to realize that there's so much opportunity in golf, whether it's mm. any job in golf, whether you're teaching golf or you're marketing or, you know, working in a golf club, depending on what your role is. I think it's just, it's really cool. I look at it now way differently than what I did. I didn't even know that there was this much opportunity in golf. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's so funny when I look back and go, I, why didn't I love it as much as I love it now? <laughs> yeah sometimes a bit of time and space is what's needed for that and it's as you say there is so much opportunity in golf there's so many different facets to the industry that need skilled people for and it's global as well that you can you, know, you can go and work most countries in the world and have these opportunities and women's sport in general getting more and more a higher profile to get more diversity into golf so only only good for the sport for something that you know for more ideas and different ways of looking at things yeah absolutely and I mean what the RNA have been a big push in that as well and mm. I was lucky enough to be involved in um, a woman in golf leadership program through the RNA oh, nice. and you know things like that it's so cool to see the opportunity of yeah pushing for more diversity and inclusion and yeah even working at Golf New Zealand and getting to be a part of almost changing the way yeah increasing participation and high performance and yeah it's just cool to see the different areas of the game as well and i think it's really interesting from that marketing perspective i think when i was kind of similar to you ish with getting into golf in my teens because you know back then with nick fowder and colin montgomery great golfers mm -hmm. but maybe weren't the coolest um sportsmen to look at and go wow i want to be like them <laughs> that <laughs> you, you do have that now I know golf I grew up with golf being this stuffy elitist sport that was only for a very certain type of person to play in it and it wasn't really a sport because no one cared about winning and then Tiger came along and actually celebrated winning that's what really changed it for me and now you've got all your Formula One stars play golf and put it on their social media it's really changed how it's perceived as a sport yeah, absolutely. And I feel like when I started working at Golf New Zealand, it was almost 
I mean, during COVID and especially in New Zealand, but it just started with the, the push of golf is cool. And I, I have always said from the beginning of like my mission and anything that I do it, with golf is that I want to make sure and continue that golf being cool is like at the front of my mind. Like we're mm -hmm. creating a sport that is incredibly cool for everyone. Um, it's super inclusive and yeah, I just, it's also about the longevity of it as well. And I think that's kind of where no matter what I do in golf, um, yeah, just want to, I want people to think golf is as cool as what I do. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty, pretty good way of looking at it and having that as your kind of purpose and meaning behind what you do. Because also that would then I assume shape your marketing style and how you think about how you market it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's interesting because coming from golf New Zealand and leading the marketing there with so many different brands and, you know, participation initiatives and yeah, endless brands. I mean, if I count, there's probably around 12 of them. So looking at that and looking at the growth of the game versus what I'm doing now, it's, it's very different. And for me, it, it's so challenging and it was definitely the right career progression for me as well to work for a golf course, well, golf courses that, it's about the brand and keeping that luxury and that the high quality uh, nature of the brand, I'd say. So yeah, it's less is more, um, mm. but yeah. So what makes you passionate about marketing? What is, is it about, about that? I think for me that the one thing that I could never work for a product that I'm not passionate about. So for mm. me, anything I market, I, yeah, I'm super passionate about. So for me, it's golf. And I look at like TRI links every single day, people say to me, they're like, does it get old? I'm like, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely not. Every single time I'm there just on property or I, you know, get the opportunity to play the golf course. I, I can't pick a favorite hole. I, there, I can't pick a favorite moment. It's I'm super passionate about the legacy that Jim and Rick are leaving behind as well. So I think it's that that buy-in for me of, yeah, really being a part of something that is historic and that's going to be around forever. But yeah, I think it's just, it's so, it's so interesting working for a company now that is, it's about long-term. It's not about quick turnarounds. Whereas I think previous jobs that I've worked in marketing have, I've always been passionate about the product, but it's definitely been like quick sprints, I'd say. Whereas mm -hmm. this is a long sprint. So yeah, it's a bit different, but it, yeah, it's awesome. Hmm. That's interesting. And then how do you think about, cause I see it TRI as you have both members there, but then non-member international play is such a big part of it. When you're thinking about how to communicate and how to promote that, as you say, it's, it's this journey you're on or the clubs on you're just a you know a custodian of it as such as a current team for something that will hopefully be there for hundreds of years how do you think about communicating to those two different stakeholders the club what it means yeah. what it represents it's actually something that i mean we're really trying to hone in on at the moment and it's very much in the forefront of our mind but at the although the yeah, two very different at the same time. I mean, we're very lucky at TRI Links considering we are attracting our international market of mainly Americans and Australians, but then we also have our membership and 
you were really lucky that we have two golf courses or at least we will very soon. Yeah. Um, and so for us, I mean, that's a big buy-in to begin with of being able to host and provide quality experiences for membership and for resort guests without sparing anything. Um, I mean, we even have a PGA professional who will travel just with membership back and forth with our alternating courses every day. Mm -hmm. um, so for us, I mean, we have this high quality product that we're very lucky in the sense of membership. They've been really understanding of that. And especially, I mean, we are a new development. There's a lot happening all the time and changing, but yeah, I mean, in, in terms of marketing, um, we are working on what that looks like for members and especially with a second golf course coming around how we can serve our members in, in the correct ways and make them 100% happy um, outside of creating world-class golf courses and experiences for them to, yeah, enjoy. Hmm. So when you're then getting messages to, to members, we'll focus on them. What do you feel are some of the key ways of doing that? What do you think clubs get wrong in terms of there's that balance always between wanting to put across the information the members need while not having so much stuff that they miss things? How do you find you, how do you think about that balance? Yeah, I'd say it's most likely I look at it and I go, I think it's regular communication in the sense of a newsletter. I, hmm. I've been a member at clubs before where I get so many emails and it, drives me absolutely insane. <laughs> um, I think if you have structure to newsletters, that it's a really great way to get your point across and to put all the information in there. The problem is with membership, no matter what, no matter what golf course you're at, people are going to miss things. It is just the nature of mm. what 2023 and some people read emails and some people don't. Um, but yeah, we have a newsletter that goes out to our membership. Um, but I think it kind of comes back a little bit. I think it's about what golf clubs need to do is like, I think it's about creating a, a really solid product. Like your product sells yourself when you're, when you, um, like keep to your brand and yeah, just really going back to that high quality product. And, and for us, we don't over communicate. Um, but yeah, newsletters really help us and it's not about every single detail because sometimes mm. people don't need to know every detail. Yeah. What do you define as over-communicate? Um, Is there like a, a value to that you'd put once a week, three times a week? What's the... Yeah, I think it's... What do you feel is it's the magic? About, I know, there's, I know yeah. there's no one answer because everywhere is slightly unique, but... Yeah, absolutely. I think it comes down to over-communicating, in my opinion, is I think it's over promising and over communicating. I think that you can communicate around dates mm. of completion of construction and things along the lines of that, of, you know, using quarters, not necessarily specific dates. And I think it's keeping members mm. along the journey of what is going on. Um, they love to be a part of the, the process of understanding, especially right now for us is like construction, um, timeframes, things along the lines of that operationally as well. And, you know, for us, it's about giving them the key points of what is changing that affects them. They don't need to know every single detail. And as you know, some members, they love to know more details than others, but 
by giving them the key information and not filling your newsletter with a million different things that also members just don't really need to know. Um, there's that mm. part of being operational as well, I think, that sometimes there's probably over-communication when it comes to golf clubs. Mm. I suppose the old saying of you can't see the wood for the trees, which when if yeah. you're then firing out too much information, that often then ends up being um, what happens with that, I feel. Yeah, absolutely. And hey, there is the, and we've seen it all before, there's the the part of under-communicating as well. So mm. it's just finding that really good balance. And I find from a marketing perspective, it's really great to what in the newsletters that we have include, you know, um, articles that we've been featured in different publications and whether it's social media that we've been tagged in something or someone's posted something of, from Golf Magazine or Golf Digest. And, you know, that makes members feel really proud to be a part of this world-class golf course as well and our golf club. Um, yeah, I think it's about including them on the fun things as well and not just the things that are changing around them. Mm, yeah, definitely. I think as well as that, not going too in depth of information, but obviously some members, as you said, do want that. That's where it's then that key being having the front facing management team or certain part of the management team who are there, they are visible that those people who want more information can then see them and say, oh, I read this and then ask questions for the more detail, as you say, rather than just piling it all into a newsletter. Yeah. And I think that that starts from almost like membership onboarding. The second mm. that a member becomes a member, it's about creating those relationships and introducing them to people at the golf club that are operational and the GM and director of golf and making sure that they feel as if, if there's ever anything or there's any questions, they know who to contact. Mm. So do you do the new member inductions at TRA? Yeah, so we do a member induction. Um, Can you talk, talk me through it? Um, yeah, so member newsletter, we kind of have a process that goes, but overall, um, once everything's sorted and we there's a, um, a membership letter, I'd say, um, welcoming them to the golf club. And then our general manager and our um, head professional, they have little groups and they plan times to where they introduce them to everyone that works on site, walk them around, show them the golf course, the facilities, and yeah, just really create that relationship with the new members. So they feel as if, if there's ever anything, they've got the relationships to be able to ask the questions and feel welcomed. Mm. And how long is that, that, that meeting, that actual induction? It just, it honestly, it varies. Yeah, okay. it varies. Hmm. Okay. So they take them around, a bit of a tour of the of the site, meeting the key members of staff, and then introduce them, I guess, because those members won't know each other necessarily, introduce them to each other. So they've also then got that network internally of members to start getting to know. Yeah, and that's something that we've just really started again because our membership, we had a wait list for a long time. Yeah, um, And we had member pre-play last year. And so that was the time where we were able to, and there were tours as well um, from Jim and the director of golf. And yeah, um, 
walking them around the property and showing them what's to come and creating those relationships then. So once we opened our wait list again, that's why we've really tried to hone in on the membership piece. And, you know, it's going to change a lot for us as well as like we have 600 members at the moment and it's going to look very different once we have two golf courses and mm. more food and beverage and um, we'll be able to offer more member days and more connection for our members, which at the moment with one food and beverage offering at Rick's, it's been a little bit tricky to do so. Um, so yeah, we, you know, we're really blessed to have an incredible membership that's super understanding of what's going on and, and what we are creating at the highest quality. Um, but yeah, it will change a lot for us in the next six months to a year and what we offer in terms of little tournaments and yeah, competition side of things as well. So when you're either for stuff you've had going on recently or more, maybe when you put the member events going on later, how do you think about promoting those to members? Do you have a formula that you use of working backwards from the event? You know, the first communication will go out X far in advance and then um, more in between those two. Do you have a kind of formula you think of for that that you find works? We're still a little bit away from that. We actually haven't had any tournaments. We've had a few little member days in the afternoon. So for us, um, Jesse Goffney, our head professional, he's been working on what that looks like. And that's more of his space when it comes to membership okay. and yeah, more of the tournaments, competitions and et cetera. I mean, um, we, yeah, personally, that's not the area that I put all my time into, but Jesse does. So in terms of formulation formulas, um, yeah, he would be the guy to talk to about that stuff. Mm. But what would be your feel though, just in general of getting, getting stuff across to, to members, if there's something you're working towards a, something you want all the members to know about, would you just send out one piece of information on that? Would you do it multiple times and across different channels? How, how do you feel, feel the cut through is best? Yeah, so how it's worked so far of mm. um, those little competitions that we have had in the afternoons, that's gone out in our newsletter, which our newsletter goes out at the moment monthly. It's looking mm. like it'll most likely move. Eventually we'll get in a position where I think it'll be every probably six to eight weeks um, just because there's a lot going on at the moment and monthly is really necessary. But yeah, so we do a course overview and in that we've added in the tournament section. So that's how it's worked so far. But in the future, we will be sending communications that mm. we just have to do with events and yeah, competitions, tournaments, etc. But for us, our main thing is that we don't want to send members too much information around mm. like the worst thing ever is when you're at a golf club and you a member of a golf club and you receive like four or five X amount of um, <laughs> emails a month. It, it's just, and you're right. There are some people that prefer that personally. I think less is more. Hmm. Okay. And then question always comes up often when it comes to golf clubs, physical notice boards, whether hmm. that be, I suppose there's two types of notice boards. You've got your old school pin a piece of paper on a, on a wall and then you've got your digital ones. So be interested to hear your thoughts on both of those. And I know it's going to, again, it's going to vary on, on different golf clubs, but just as general as, as a marketing person and someone who's been a member of a golf club and maybe from, from that younger demographic as well, what are your thoughts on them are? 
Yeah, I think that from the beginning, the first step would be to really figure out, is this the location of your your notice board? Um, is it a place where there's just membership? Is your is your golf club accepting public play? Are they, is it international visitors? Is it, or is it just mainly membership? Because I think personally, when it comes to notice boards and I go to golf clubs that I'm a visitor at and an international visitor, the last thing I want to see is someone's notice board. Um, we at what's how to eat and at I, we don't have any notice boards. Um, we choose more of a simplistic approach towards that from a design perspective, but I don't see the, I don't see the problems in it. The one thing I will say is that working at golf New Zealand and sending out different posters about handicapping and participation initiatives, golf clubs are not very good at changing them out. (laughs) (laughs) And so I still go to golf clubs today. And well, I finished up that role about a year and a half ago that I'm, I still see posters from two years ago (laughs) that are very outdated. (laughs) So I think that in terms of notice boards, if whether that's in the restrooms or I'd say, keep them as hidden as you can. Um, I'm not a fan of the tacky poster, um, in the restrooms, but that's me. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I just say if it does align with your target market for your golf club, then, and it's mainly membership, just do it in the most tasteful way possible. I don't mind a screen. Yeah. Just keep your your information up to date. Yes. That's certainly an important one. No one wants to be reading. Yeah. Advertisements for events that were on two months ago. No, no, no. (laughs) And then final one I'd like to ask you on, uh, as someone who's a golfer, and again, has has different experience with clubs in various places. Dress codes. What what's your? And, and again, dress codes are a unique thing to each club. But to you, what what's the purpose of a dress code? In your mind, I'll have some friends that listen to this and they'll laugh at me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I I guess there's a few parts of it, like personal belief and club belief um Mm. i what growing up in golf and being a woman it's really hard to find attractive golf clothing um and also some of the rules that are set in place for women are very unrealistic and skirts down to your feet um but i do think that the game is changing a lot and i think that golf clubs need to be more welcoming to the fact that they don't want to exclude people to come to their golf club um, by having a really strict dress code. I think that what it comes down to, and this is something that Tariti and Tiarai stand by, is we don't have a specific dress code. There's no actual dress code, but what it's about is looking smart. Mm. You're showing up and you're looking like you want to be there, that you're there for golf and you're I choose more of an athletic version of what I like to wear on the golf course, whether it's leggings or an active shirt, but there's no time where I look unprofessional on the golf course. So I think that that's what it comes back to is looking smart. It's not something specific around you have to wear this and you have to wear that. 
um, as we've talked about previously as well outside of this conversation around white socks or whether you have to wear a collar or how long your skirt is or I think that people really tend to get caught up in the dress code when at the end of the day it's about being smart and being somewhere yeah looking smart in a place that you want to be yeah that's pretty much aligns with my my thoughts on it as well as soon as it gets prescriptive it's to me unnecessary and it's about about being smart because I can think of hundreds of occasions I've seen people who tick boxes of dress codes and they're the opposite end of the scale of looking smart they've got moth holes in their sweaters and their trousers are older than than me so it's to me yeah that looking smart that should to me is what a dress code should be about looking smart professional and like a well like a golfer and athlete because if you're trying to hit a golf ball 250 300 meters well you kind of that's a pretty athletic movement Absolutely. And yeah, I think that that's been the cool change in golf, I think, is that mm. rela- like it, it's a bit more relaxed than what it ever has been. But that doesn't mean, I mean, there's some brands and even Kiwi brands that they they sell for golfers really beautiful white tees and black tees. And they're just simple, mm. but they're really tasteful. And yeah. I see no problem with that and a vest over it and everyone has their yeah expression of what golf is and yeah i think that it's golf's in a a really good space for that at the moment whereas what expression of golf course clothing has not been a thing for a very very long time and yeah it's cool to see the brands that are coming through as well Mm, definitely yeah it's a lot very different space to the argyle sweaters of the of the nineties uh, and, and, and back though, in the Yeah. I feel like some of those sweaters though, like they're definitely coming back. Like there's this, yeah. there is this golfer that is, I'd say like quite hipster and loves that 90s mm-hmm. style. And so you see, you, yeah. you probably even see it a bit at Royal. It's like, it does, you, you do, you do see it a little bit and with the trends, but yeah, yeah I, that could be people wearing the original ones from the, 90s though that they've had since then (laughs) i think with that though if anything it's my vision of those sweaters are people like monty and faldo wearing one that's four sizes too big yeah (laughs) which yeah i yeah those sort of things stick in my mind so much because that's what put me off playing golf when i was younger looking at that thinking i got i've got to wear that if i want to play golf no thank you and i think that for me also being pushed away from golf a bit is the fact of when I was playing golf competitively, golf was not cool at all. Like no. there was, there were no women in the game that were trying to push, like Michelle Wee would have been the first one that actually was pushing a dress yeah. code and kind of getting some like pushback for it um, and not wearing a collar and, you know, things along the lines of that of trendier cl- colors and mm. prints. And yeah, I think that there was no one in the game that was really pushing it until in my opinion, her. So when I look back, I, I, I just don't think that I had much yeah, expression on the golf course in terms of style. And it just wasn't really cool. Whereas like now I find it, it's so awesome that I get to have a say in what I wear. And I, 
can be a little bit more edgy in that. And also it's changing the game at the end of the day, being a woman in golf. Um, yeah. And having some expression on the golf course. Hmm. Yeah. Agreeing. Is there any final messages on marketing or golf in general that you'd like to leave for the audience, Grace? Yeah, I, you and I previously talked about it a bit, but just social media. I think mm. that my one advice and Hey, I've have not worked for many golf clubs, but just in the marketing space in general, I think that social media is not something that you should put all of your budget into, but I think that social media, especially Instagram mm. is the new Google. People look yeah. at Instagram before they look at Google. And so I think that it's really worth it in your marketing strategy to really address who your target market is, what your golf club is about and what you're trying to attract and what you want people to know about you. I think that, yeah, that would be my last little Mm. word of advice that I put in this. Yeah. Social yeah. media is, is really important. Yeah, definitely. I think Instagram is something we all use now for inspiration of what you want to do, where you want to go or where you want to play golf, seeing stunning photos of places. Yeah. It's that's where more and more people now do go and find that stuff. Yeah. And I, I think at the end of the day, another it's about less is more. I think you're, yeah. you're better off quality photography and and really showcasing who you are rather than posting every single day as we have seen a few people post way too much <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah definitely I, I tend to unfollow anything that's then a new posting continually because it just feels like you're clogged up in your feed of only that coming through yeah absolutely but I mean yeah. and yeah if we look at even just New Zealand and being working at golf New Zealand and seeing what the club space of there's a 390 golf clubs in New Zealand mm. and not everyone has a budget for social media. And so I think that's when it comes down to really sitting down and figuring out what's really important to your golf club and who you are and mm. less is more. Yeah. That is a good message to leave it, leave us with less is more seems to be a common theme that's come up today uh, throughout a conversation on marketing. So I think that's certainly a key message to take away and, something I'll think about with our own marketing as well. So Grace, thank you very much for joining me today. It's been a really interesting conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining me on this journey as we dive into the world of club management. I hope you enjoy listening to these conversations as much as I enjoy having them. If you do enjoy and get value from them, I have two small requests. Simply subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast listening app and leave a review and share it directly with someone whom you think would benefit from listening. If you're interested in being a guest on this show yourself, then you can reach out to me using the details in the show notes or email me modernclubmanagement at pm.me. In the show notes, you will also find a link to my bi-weekly newsletter that complements these conversations where you can sign up to receive these directly into your inbox so that you never miss out. Thanks for tuning in and have an amazing day. This episode is brought to you by Sweda. Sweda is the social learning platform that delivers high quality blended learning with human connection. 
Sweda is on a mission to revolutionize the digital learning space through restoring the critical element of human engagement that has gotten lost in online learning. The technology provides everything organizations or individuals need on one single platform to achieve meaningful long-term learning success. Using these skills helped me attain a job offer as the director of golf at Golf Digest, top 100 in the world ranked course after I completed their influence and communication courses. But don't just take my word and the 97% five-star reviews it has had on Trustpilot for it. Try it yourself. All you have to do is email david at suada.com, that's S-U-A-D-A.com, and quote the Modern Club Management Podcast to claim your free enrollment onto the Reciprocity course to start your journey to become a more influential and persuasive communicator.